everybody, welcome to the show. Same time. Here we are. Every night of the week, every night of the work week, here we are together at 7 o'clock. Well, always a couple of minutes before, if you're watching live, that is. We're always on time whenever you're listening to us on demand, on the podcast, and whatever. We're always on time. But I welcome you to this Thursday night edition. It is the first Thursday in May of 2022, and it has been a perfect, beautiful spring day. A little bit more overcast now. But the first three quarters of the day was absolutely beautiful. Uh, Rob cannot make it tonight. He has personal business to attend to. But we have, uh, and so that means please uh, go and just remember, check out kungfuchannel.com. And especially if you're in the uh, the market for some good energy, uh, energy work, energy working out, some nice mind-body connection. We're going to be doing a little bit more of that in the second half. It's been a very emotional, spiritual uh, week. But I have a guest that I am bringing on for the second half of the first hour that just came together real quick. I'm so happy that he agreed to come on. His name is James Raguski, and he has a substack that he has uh, been working uh, really, really hard on with his revealing of what's going on later on this month with the World Economic Forum, the UN, and of course this this push to now globalize all kind of future pandemic response, which is obviously a big part of the resetting of all things. So we're going to have him on. One thing will lead into the next, and in the second half, I would really, really enjoy taking a lot of calls from you guys, or as many as we can, in between some emails that have come in from the last couple of days when it comes to euthanasia, abortion, the death penalty, a lot of great opinions coming in, conversation starters, and uh, and there you have it. Tomorrow, I hope that we have enough stuff, enough stuff inside of our um, our folklore thread to be able to bring in a new topic and just end the Friday the Friday night broadcast with something fresh and, and airy and, and fun. So let me thank my sponsor tonight before we go any further. That's BlueMonsterPrep.com. You should be prepping with Blue Monster because there are other people prepping against you. There are other people who are prepping against you and I, ladies and gentlemen. So go to BlueMonsterPrep.com. It is the internet superstore that is almost exclusively servicing this audience. I know that they they, they sponsor uh, Tracy, but we were the first and only for a while, and now it's just two shows, and that's that. They are members of this show. They love this audience. They are this audience, Pat and Gina are. So go to bluemonsterprep.com and look at everything you got. They even got stuff for your pets. If you got to go on the lamb and you got to bring your pets with you, they even got stuff for your pets. That's outside of the solar power and the, the water filtration and the food, which is insurance that you can eat. Go ahead, use promo code frankly over there. And if you don't know where to start, if you don't know what to do, if you only have a little bit of money that you can set aside every month, get in touch with them. Pat and Gina, contact them. Say, here's my predicament. Here's far along, here is as far along as I am. Please let me know what you think I should prioritize and how I should start chipping away at this so I can have one less thing to worry about. There you go. BlueMonsterPrep.com 
All right. All right. I have not decided which Saturday in May is going to be our Saturday night special. So I'll uh, I'll be on I'll be on top of that with you all. Keep the June badass nominees coming in. We have a nice influx of them now. So write to me at quite frankly podcast at gmail.com. Write your your uh, badass nominee from history. All eras doesn't have to be American. I want to know about people who did badass things and um, and left a dent in history. Last, lastly, uh, there's a couple of show threads I want to let you know about again because they're very important to this, this uh, broadcast doing original crowdsourced topics so that we don't have to just be news junkies every night. We cannot do that for our own mental health. This is why we are the best. We take care of head. So here it is. Number one, making restitution. We have 11, 11 people on this, uh, the stories on this now. Share with us a story of making a wrong right again. A sincere act to make amends with a person you hurt. Replacement of something stolen. Repairing something you damaged. A physical act to clean your conscience. And how did you feel afterwards? Here's another one, folklore thread. I would love to do this tomorrow. We have five entries already, but I think that there's, out of all the people in this audience, and all the amazing places you guys come from and live, you, you, I know that there's some of you out there who have stories for me. And if you don't know how to use Reddit, then email me, and I'll copy and paste your story. Let it be nice and concise and brief, and say exactly what needs to be said. Don't let it be pages long. I'll copy and paste it into there for you. But I know this audience has stories. Here's the folklore thread. Tell us about local legends where you are from. Stories of cursed treasure, aliens and cryptids, portals in the desert, strange ruins in the woods. Tall tales of Paul Bunyan or Johnny Appleseed-like figures in your hometown's history. I'd love to know about that. And I have a couple of stories that can pair it up with nicely. And then finally, a reminder, Windswept House, Book Club. Quite frankly, Book Club Session 3 will be tomorrow night after the 7 o'clock broadcast concludes. That's May 6th, Session 3. It'll be uploaded to the audio podcast afterwards. The official thread is up. So leave us with some of your strongest observations from these, uh, these the chapters 20, uh, I believe it's 20 to 26. Strongest observations analysis of the plot so far, character arcs, how that's going, drawing parallels to the modern day, because this is a very prophetic book so far. It's incredible. It's published in 96, but it could have been published last year. And you can feel free to talk about what really struck you or what's confusing you. So we already have a few people jumping in there, and please go ahead and do that because it's really contributed nicely to the book club experience. I can't wait to do this more in the future. All right, um, is that all I have for you? Book club, great. All right, a couple other things in the grab bag. Let's go to the headlines, shall we? Dave Chappelle's attacker. You heard about this? Dave Chappelle was tackled on stage a couple of days ago by a crazy person. And immediately it started trending that this was the Will Smith challenge. And I've seen people from all walks of life and all political and sociopolitical persuasion saying this is all Will Smith's fault and there's going to be plenty of copycats now because of one thing or another. It, it doesn't matter, though, because I think the greatest part about the whole thing was that he got tackled by a crazy fan. 
and um, and the crazy fan got stomped out, had his arm twisted into a fucking pretzel. It was a, it was wonderful, wonderful. Taken away in an ambulance. But guess what? Uh, the the DA the DA will not be charging the attacker. Okay, it's they're not going to be getting the charge of assault with a deadly weapon. The district attorney office re, uh, re, uh, has referred the case to the Los Angeles City Attorney's Office for consideration of a misdemeanor filing to get up in a, in a in a uh, in a a concert venue to storm the stage and attack the performer. They said that he was carrying a replica pistol with a folding knife blade affixed to it. So uh, it wasn't that the pistol was real or loaded with live rounds or anything like that. But still, you have, I mean, my God. But it's Los Angeles. Los Angeles District Attorney George Gascon's office declined Thursday to file felony charges against Isaiah Lee, 23 years old, who was arrested on suspicion of assault with a deadly weapon after he tackled Chappelle. Suspicion, though I know it's a legal term not taken as we lay people hear it because obviously there's nothing to suspect he's on tape there it is and there were a couple thousand witnesses after reviewing the evidence prosecutors determined that while criminal conduct occurred the evidence has presented uh did not constitute felony conduct doesn't matter he would have been he would have been uh let out for bad behavior behavior a couple of weeks afterwards anyway and given dodger tickets and a voucher for some Dodger dogs. So here it is. Uh, blackmail won't win, says Madison Cawthorn. He responds after now nude video surfaces. I have not seen the video, but this is fresh. Gateway pundit. GOP con- congressman Madison Cawthorn responds to the latest hit against him. Blackmail won't win. We will. The knives have been out for the 26-year-old North Carolina congressman since he spoke about orgies and cocaine in the D.C. swamp. Ain't that something? A nude video of Cawthorn was posted to social media and to American Muckraker's uh, uh, Political Action Committee website, a left-wing group trying to unseat Cawthorn. He said, a new hit piece against me just dropped years ago in this video i was being crass with a friend trying to be funny we were acting foolish and joking that's it i'm not backing down i told you there would be drip there would be a drip drip campaign blackmail won't win we will a couple of weeks ago the rhinos went after cawthorn with some pictures from his past cawthorn looked wasted and is dressed in women's underwear it looks like he's drinking shots one of the women with him is reportedly his wife. Um, I saw a funny tweet today that I had to I had to uh, put out there again. It said this. It was from one Brandon Von Cluffington. He said, Madison Cawthorn is going to be a laughing stock now that all the other congressmen know he has sex with adults. <laughs> it's not funny, but it is. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, that's just... That's just what it is now. They don't want to. They don't want to go and and um, and run against you. So they're going to try to find a way to ruin your life, and get you off the campaign trail, or find a legal way to make sure that you cannot even um, declare your candidacy anymore. And speaking of blackmail, do you hear about this? 
This is from the New York Post, but it's been picked up by a couple other places. Sex Island Vacation. Oh, uh, children. You have to get out of here. I have to talk to your parents about something. I'll give you five seconds. Children, get out. I'm drinking some uh, Nordic Rise and Grind, the Kraken. Did I tell you that I'm going to be working with Nordic... Um, with riseandgrind.us Nordic Coffee, that's in the affiliates page. I'm going to be working with them to actually make a, quite frankly, blend. So not only are you guys going to be able to just go out there and, and just buy their coffee if you wanted to try something that kicks your ass, but I am going to be able to help develop a blend that's quite, it'll be packaged with, it'll have, who the hell knows where it's going to go, but it's going to be great. I can't, I don't know, no timetable on that. I have not even been able to, um, to get the the basics working on that but it will be happening i can't wait for it all right here we go now that the children are out of the room sex island vacation offers guests unlimited sex with 100 prostitutes a four-day orgy extravaganza that promises kinky customers unlimited sex without a condom is set to go underway near las vegas on thursday what day is this? That's today. Sex Island is stated to take place at an undisclosed location outside of Sin City from May 5th to 8th with tickets costing pleasure seekers a whopping $4,500 United States USD. And that is nothing compared to the, the money you're going to have to pay after the blackmail tapes come out. Nothing compared to the blackmail. The X-rated uh, escapade is organized by Good Girls Company, which is selling off just 50 tickets. The company has hired 100 sex workers for the event so that each guest has access to two girls per day. All of our girls are tested and free of any sexual diseases, and they will probably be wearing face masks as well. At any moment, you can switch your girls with other 50 guests. Isn't this just disgusting? I don't even know if I would like this idea in high school when you're willing to just hump furniture. But the X-rated escapade is organized. All of our girls, blah, blah, blah. There's also on-site HIV and STI testing. So that just for anybody who wanted to know. Meanwhile, the 50-day frisky ticket holders will also be able to partake in a sensual helicopter ride. So you'll be able to have sex with a helicopter as well. There you go. All right, next thing, and the last thing I have for you is, again, from the New York Post, Saudi billionaire changes his tune about Elon Musk, saying that he is excellent for Twitter. The Saudi prince who initially rejected Elon Musk's takeover of a bid for Twitter now says he welcomes the move after joining a group of billionaire investors in helping the Tesla boss secure funding for the $44 billion transaction. Oh, Prince Awalid bin Talal said, great to connect with you, my new friend. I believe you will be an excellent leader for Twitter to propel and maximize its great potential. The Saudi royal is one of the richest men in the desert kingdom. 
He said his company, Kingdom Holding Company, we're looking forward to roll our $1.9 billion stake in the new Twitter and join you on this ex this exciting journey. So you get a change of heart from the Saudis and a change of heart from Jack Dorsey himself. Listen, I'm all for the lulls. I'm here for the lulls. I love the meltdowns. But just remember, do not abandon new media. Support new media with everything that you can. You can whether it be your, your pocketbooks, whether it be just sharing on, on, uh, on across your socials that you're active on, uh, being active on those socials. That's the big thing here. I mean, just weird. Weird times, as they say. 714, though. Let's get started, shall we? We have a little bit to do before we bring on our surprise last-minute guest, James Roguski. Don't go anywhere. Aurora, are you Chicken McNugget? No. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! You know, speaking of uh, speaking of new media and all that stuff, uh, we are officially on the chopping block on Discord. Uh, everybody that is a member of that Discord, you probably got a you probably got a notification. I know I did that something inhumane has been done. They don't tell you what it is. They don't tell you where the post in question is, so that you can take it off or what's going on. But we're officially on the cho chopping block. It's sad because a lot of work was done into organizing that Discord, into building it up. There's nearly 5,000 members there. It's become a great way of getting the word out. So I believe that we are in the process of, of finalizing and, and constructing a, quite frankly, gilded um, account, which is pretty much a, a little bit more of a trust... From what people have been saying, a little bit more of a trustworthy version of Discord, which is just sad another sad. it's just sad it's like why you put your time into things but you know uh whatever we we, we pivot once again so listen uh enjoy it over there be be mindful of what kind of eyes are on the discord now and just soak it up for as long as it is as it as it's there don't try to nuke it because obviously they'll i guess there's nothing stopping that now 
but enjoy ladies and gentlemen enjoy indeed okay so what do we have here right now first thing i want to bring up is a very interesting we are we're so sick of the old faces every once in a while we get to meet a new one now i came across a person who's been who is now running for u.s senate in pennsylvania she made quite a splash at the gop primary debates the other night her name is kathy barnett and she was up there against people like the trump uh, appointed clown dr oz I want you to listen to this. Minute 35, this is from her. We need to walk as free people. We need to remember that the that COVID does not trump the U.S. Constitution. Those are some very key lessons that we should have learned coming out of this. We should have also learned what kind of leadership we really need at this moment. Uh, we lived through two years that felt like literal hell jumped out on top of us with Democrats putting their foot on our throats, putting their foot on our businesses, their foot on our economy, their foot on our children. We should have learned a very valuable lesson of what kind of leader we need at this moment. We need people who are going to be fighters. We don't need people who are globalists in the way that they have lived their lives and ran their business. And mm. although I think you're a magnanimous individual, but you and your corporation, McCormick, you are a part of the WEF, the World Economic Forum, you as well as you, um, uh, Oz, uh, they're both part of the World Economic Forum. This is a very serious organization that has uh, an, a, a mindset of pushing globalism and ESG, environmental, social governance. Okay, thank you. And we Ms. need to be mindful thank of you, that. Thank you, Ms. Barnett. 15 second quick response, sir, McCormick. Ms. No. McCormick. Well, listen, I've run, I've, I've run two businesses, wildly successful businesses. I'm not going to apologize for my success. I have done business around the world. It makes me uniquely capable of understanding the global world that we work, that we live in. I've served in the military. I've served in combat. So I know how to deal with the challenges we face. All right. And just like President Trump, that experience is going to make you. me a better senator. Thank but that didn't have anything to do with the world economic Thank you. Let's you're right. You're right. It did not. It did not. But this is, uh, <laughs> it had nothing to do with it. But great job. Great job. She must be one of those ultra far writers. And I'm glad she shoved it to um, that clownish Dr. Oz. Now, I don't know much about her outside of this. Like I said, she just she just popped up recently. And um, she just popped up recently. And I hope that she's authentic as she presents herself to be because she's talking a big, uh, big much needed game with the great resetters at the WEF. That is, uh, that is, that's exactly what's needed at this point. And speaking of, speaking of, I don't know where this comes from. Now, the United Nations, I saw this here. It's, uh, it says, it came along with this. Uh, United Nations announces Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum and UN General, General, General uh, Secretary Antonio Gutierrez have signed an agreement to accelerate Agenda 2030. Now, this has been getting around today. I don't know where it's from. It's only 19 seconds or so, and I can't find where it came from. No one has published anything that supports it. But the backdrop, um, the backdrop of this is that there's a lot of things that are going on right now that we're being set up for in this month of May of 2022 that is related. So in the event that this is recent, though I cannot confirm where it comes from, so let's just uh, put that out there. Take a listen to this. This afternoon, the Secretary General and Klaus Schwab, the founder of the World Economic Forum, will, sign a, will witness the signing of a memorandum of understanding on a strategic partnership between the UN and the World Economic Forum. 
which outlines areas of cooperation to deepen engagement between the two institutions and to jointly accelerate the implementation of the 2030 agenda. So um, w whether that was from a couple of months ago or whether it was very in a timely fashion from this week, it just reminders, reminders of what kind of mechanics are at play here. And I'm going to go to another little thing here real quick. It's uh, 722. We have about eight minutes before we bring on our, our guest for the second half of this hour. And I'm going to go to one, one source before we go to his website. This is from leohoman.com. Headline, Global Government Alert, Threat to National Sovereignty, set to go down May 22nd to 28th at the WHO World Health Assembly. As previously reported, the deep state predators in the U.S. and Western governments have decided the world needs a centralized pandemic response controlled and run by the United Nations World Health Organization via an international treaty. According to the WHO's website on March 30th, 2021, 25 world leaders announced an urgent call for an international pandemic treaty, stating that such a treaty is needed to orchestrate a single globalized response to pandemics. These 25 heads of government and international leaders have come together in a joint call to form the treaty. Don't forget that Yuval Noah Harari, the chief advisor to Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum, has stated the globalist elites will use crises to bring about world government. Quote, Catastrophe opens the door to massive changes that people would otherwise never accept, Harari said. Well, that's their, that's the uh, the way that they they shove everything down our throats. But c coming to our the work of our guest tonight, a uh, man named James Roguski, uh, he has been covering this in a big way. He's been on the SGT report with Sean recently. Sean will actually be on with us again next week on the 11th, and. Um, and he knows uh, he's been they were talking at great length about the U.N., the WHO's race to globalize responses to future health crises, which has, is just one more link in the chain to everything that is connected in this global reset of everything. Uh, when we talk from social to medical to financial military, it's, a, it's all there. Cybernetic. It's all there. Now, here's the executive summary that was put together by James. And then we'll be able to talk to him uh, about the details here and get a nice little recap straight from him. This is from his, his Substack. That is jamesroguski.substack.com. I will have the URL up on the screen when we are speaking with him. The World Health Organization is attempting a power grab. All right, here are a few tenants. Most people have never heard of the International Health Regulations. That's IHR. The United States agreed to the IHR in 2005. These regulations override and supersede the Constitution. Now, we can we if, just as we go forward, they don't su superseding and negating the Constitution, whether it be FEMA, whether it be something international, whatever. That is really just, as you all know, the only way that that happens is if you have evil traitor type people running the, the the government who are presiding over you know millions and millions of people who don't know their asses from their elbows because there is nothing inside of our constitution that actually grants the authority to negate the constitution this is just when you have generations of dumbed down people who who can't see their hands in front of their faces they're so blind to how this government actually is supposed to work and our involvement in it then all of this stuff can seem legitimate. And yes, perhaps at that point, 
you can give away the farm. You can give away our homeland, our, our birthright, and nobody would know the difference. And it may seem legal to those who were never told otherwise. But either way, on January 18th, 2022, the United States uh, submitted a number of amendments to the IHR that served to give away even more of our sovereignty and greatly empower the World Health Organization to restrict your health-related rights and freedoms. The 75th meeting of the World Health Assembly will uh, be held in Geneva, Switzerland this May, 22nd to 28th. The Assembly will vote on the amendments to the IHR. They are very likely to pass and be enacted into international law unless we, the people, stand up against this attack on our sovereignty. He continues, these amendments to the international health regulations do not need to be approved by two-thirds of the U.S. Senate. We have already agreed to obey the IHR by virtue of our membership in the United Nations and the WHO, which you can just go and say, uh, well, our we have no right being in there and our Constitution does not allow it. But we are in there because well, everything I said after point one. We have already given away some of our sovereignty. These amendments are designed to confuse the member nations into giving away even more of their sovereignty. In the addition to proposed amendments, the IHR, the WHO, has also set up the Intergovernmental Negotiating Body, the INB, that is actively negotiating an international treaty on pandemic prevention, preparedness, and response. I'm, I, I can't even imagine how big of a hand people like Bill Gates had in that. And the proposed pandemic treaty is separate from and in addition to the proposed amendments to the international health regulations mentioned above. And then finally, down here, the last two points, the pandemic treaty does not exist yet. It is being drafted and negotiated right now. Discussions regarding the pandemic treaty are important, but they are also part of the sophisticated diversion to confuse people and get them to ignore the immediate concern, which is the amendments to the IHR being considered by the World Health Assembly this May. The time to speak out and stand up for your rights is right now. And uh, James Raguski has done a lot of work in just getting the word out there because as I said before, the only thing that makes any of this seem legal is the fact that people don't know. So I, I guess in some way, in many ways, just trying to, to share this among people and to, to raise consciousness about it is one of the greatest things that we can do. But I guess we'll get into a little bit more of that. We have James here tonight to help us wrap up the first hour. He's a researcher, author, nat uh, natural health proponent, and an activist who believes that the old systems are rightfully crumbling, so we must build their replacements quickly. James uncovered documents regarding amendments to international law, and he is doing everything possible to expose the WHO's hidden agenda, and he joins us right now. James, how you feeling? Oh, you muted yourself. I'm, I'm on fire. Thanks for having me. Uh, I appreciate, uh, you know, we did this on short notice, and, uh, you know, that just tells me you're uh, taking action, and that's that's what we need from people right now. Uh, there have been some folks who said, oh, you know, can we book you for next month? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a different battle, you know, possibly then. But um, thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. It's great to have you on. And I knew um, when I started seeing all of the you, you pop up in different places, especially with Sean. He's a good friend of ours over here. And then the, your uh, your call to action flyer, your executive summary started. I just started seeing it everywhere. And I said, you know what? Uh, we, we, let's see what I can what I can do, and I'm so happy you made some time for us tonight. So, uh, the game uh, we just read through your executive summary, and take a, take a few minutes and nutshell this for the audience, if you will, in your own words, and then we can get into 
some details. What are we facing right now in the, and the, uh, the ramifications of this, what's coming next uh, in the next couple of weeks? Well, let me first say that all of the commentary that you made on it, I agree with you. You know, everything that you said, I'm, I'm right on the same page with you. Uh, let me see if I can do the, you know, super condensed version of what's going on here. The existing international health regulations are a mixed bag. My personal opinion of what they are is that there's some goodness in there and there's some stuff that I wish wasn't in there. It, you know, it's an existing body of work. It's an 84-page document. You know, most people have never heard of it. There are some things in there that are, are, are quite good. You know, it's designed to protect our rights. It's designed to not shut down travel and commerce, believe it or not. That's the existing regulations. And what is really the, the crux of it is Article 12, Section 2, Line 6, and, and a handful of other places throughout, is it has the WHO in a straitjacket. They're, they're in shackles. They, they have handcuffs on. Pick whatever analogy you want. They're in prison. They don't have the authority to override national sovereignty as far as declaring what they refer to, not as a pandemic. A pandemic is not a legal term. Don't use it. It has no meaning in the law. They refer to a public health emergency of international concern, P-H-E-I-C, or fake. So when they want to declare a fake, they have to get the approval of the nation in which the situation is occurring. And so if you think about it, that's that's how I would imagine that it, it should be. Now, people are, are able to have their own opinion, but essentially what that means is that, say there's a, a, you know, a, a number of people getting sick in, in a certain location. Um, you certainly want to be a good member of the international community. And if you think that that's something that's going to spread, you know, worldwide, you would want to alert everyone and say, look, you know, we have a problem and we want to warn you about it. The WHO wants it to be the other way around where, you know, the country in question has nothing to say about it. And the uh, director general of the WHO would be converted into the dictator general by a simple change where you extract the wording that says they have to get the agreement of the country in question. And if you take that away, then you know, you, you've got you know, emperor for life, ruler of, of all, all things. In, in Roman times, the word dictator was what was, was the word used for the person who was given complete and total power whenever there was an emergency. So the definition of the word requires that there be an emergency. A dictator takes care of an emergency. Now, you need that. You know, uh, well, I'm in California. You know, we've got mudslides and earthquakes and, and fires and, you know, everything. Uh, you know, hurricanes, tornadoes, whatever it might be. Of course, you want to have, you know, a, a quick response team. You want to have, you know, the power to make things happen and dictate what people should do. That's, you know, dictator. Tell everybody what to do. Um, but then you got to back off. Emergency's over. And, you know, I see people walking around. I don't see people scared of COVID. I, you know, I know people get sick and, and they deal with it. They, you know, I, I've got a number of friends who are sick, but, you know, people have had colds and the flu and, and serious, you know, uh, respiratory problems forever. Mm -hmm. This is no different other than they've figured out that if they can just keep declaring emergency after emergency after emergency, they can keep their dictatorial powers. And, you know, that translates down from the international uh, 
PHEIC to the public health emergency on, on the national level here in the United States, and then state emergencies and county emergencies and city emergencies. And, and it's just a power grab. There's yeah. not a word in the amendments that has anything to do with health. There's no essential medicines. There's no you know herbs and nutrition and alternative care, early treatment. Not a single word about that. It's all just about transferring power. Well, James, you know that that actually even translates to how our our culture here in the United States is now. Um, the the whole idea of a president or any kind of central authority uh, on a general government level being able to seize certain powers for Washington D.C. during a so-called declared emergency is foreign to our Constitution. So now that that you know the culture on that at least mentally has been changed now now they're just shifting it internationally until there is real really nobody clinging to what should be their local sovereignty local decision making i mean there's you can't tell me that anybody in belgium knows what's best for people in kentucky um it's it's just it's ridiculous but that's what they're trying for right now so can you tell us a little bit about um you found these proposed amendments on the who website everything you publish comes directly from them i have not been able to read it yet because this is just is all hitting me so quick can you tell us a little bit more about the things that you found in these amendments of course outside of the creation of this dictator post um the beauty of all of this is I'm, I'm not Snowden. You know, I didn't, I'm not a contractor who got, you know, access to top secret, you know, information or, or whatever it might be. Um, I'm not Assange, you know, I'm not getting media from people who've, you know, gotten these types of things. I, I just did something really, really boring, right? I went to the federal register and I, I read the changes in definitions of words and this is one that you may or may not have come across, but uh, on, on the website, don't you dare dot info, and there's no apostrophe in that, just D-O-N-T, don't you dare dot info. Uh, it's presented like a court case. It's presented with evidence and, and you know, uh, exhibit A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Exhibit G, to me, is very interesting because there are multiple, multiple words that, you know, right, right out of 1984, Newspeak, you know, war is peace and good is evil and all that kind of stuff. The Obama administration on their last full day in office changed the definition of a public health emergency. And, you know, it's right there for anyone to see. I actually screenshot it out and the document is right there on, on the on, on Federal Register. If the uh, Director General of the WHO makes a recommendation could be like, now you should wear some masks, right? That's regulatory coverage justification for Javier Becerra, our, our Secretary of Health and Human Services, to declare a public health emergency in the United States. And, you know, when you sit with that and you think about how that actually, you know, would be implemented, it's just like somebody sneezes and boom, you know, you're in the state of emergency, you've mm -hmm. got dictatorial powers. The CARES Act that was passed, you know, this huge act passed you know, very shortly after we got started in this. You think they wrote that that quickly? You think they didn't think that through for years in advance and have it waiting to just drop when they wanted it? Well, you know, believe what you want, but that's what makes all the money flow. The CARES Act, when you, if you read it, what's in there is all of the money flows so long as there is a public health emergency. And so 
That was declared way back in January of 2020. It's only a 90-day thing, but it's been um, renewed at least for the 10th time. So it's like 900 days we're in this emergency. And the reason is not because we're in an emergency. The reason is because it makes the money flow. You can't have emergency use authorizations that short circuit the full-on approval process, which is you know a scam to begin with. But emergency use authorizations, it's like, oh yeah, we got an emergency, you know, make it happen. Right. And so the PCR testing, the rapid antigen testing, all kinds of treatments that nobody's really, you know, paid attention to. If you go to the FDA, there are so many emergency use authorization products. And I believe it was Dr. Zelenko who very clearly stated that, you know, that's a moneymaker. The, the state of emergency and the ability to get emergency use authorization for products that just don't work, right? Boom, ka-ching. You get the government, you get the government paying, you know, basically digitally creating money that they're shoving in, inflating the dollar and, and, and paying for all this stuff. And then in the CARES Act, if somebody sticks something up your nose, which the Obama administration made, gave regulatory cover, they changed the definition of what is invasive and what is not invasive. And they made it so that sticking something up your nose, you know, pretend law, uh, it, you know, looks okay if you don't understand that it's really just a, a, a facade. Um, but they did that on January 19th, 2017, the day before Trump came into office. You know, did they know they were going to need to be able to stick things up people's nose sometimes later in the future? Well, I mean, that so, was, wasn't that around the same time that uh, that Anthony Fauci even, like, pretty much said you can, exactly. you can, you can bet your exactly. life on it that we are going to be facing a pandemic? The next president's going to be facing a pandemic. You know, I mean, how did they know that? Well, they were, you know, putting the... the stuff in the regulations to make it happen. And so the beauty with this actually is they thought, meaning the WHO and whoever the heck is, you know, their puppet master, um, that they could have the United States present these amendments. Nobody would look at them. They would just never talk about it again, right? And then they would pop up in the middle of the assembly in, from the 22nd to the 28th of May in Geneva. And you know how uh, Nancy Pelosi said with one of the bills, I think it was um, Obamacare, oh, you know, we'll just pass it, we'll read it later, right? And then it disappears again. And interestingly, the way this is all structured, uh, the international health regulations are not, never were a quote unquote treaty. Uh, a treaty is something that the Senate weighed in on, got the two thirds, the president signed it, these are uh, nearly 100% certain because you know I, I have recently found documentation to this effect. They're what's known as a um, executive agreement, a sole executive, S-O-L-E, executive agreement. And there's a whole protocol that goes into that. And, and think about how Obama got us into the climate accords and got us into the um, uh, Iranian nuclear thing. There are many, many, many agreements that presidents make with other countries. Technically, they're not treaties, but we follow, you know, what it is. And then the next, you know, Trump comes in, the next president comes in, and go, now nah, we're getting out of that. We, we don't want to do that anymore. So it, it, it a treaty, you, you kind of, it's much harder to get out of, yeah. right? These, these um, executive agreements kind of come and go. And if you go all the way back to 
1948. This is Exhibit A on, on my site. Uh, it, it's from June 14th, 1948, when Harry Truman signed the joint resolution along with the uh, Speaker of the House and the Senate um, President Pro Tem of the Senate to get into the WHO. And the wording, if, you know, when you get time, read the wording. You don't have to do it now, but when, when you read it, it's just so crystal clear. And I'll, I'll paraphrase it. I'll put it into regular old English, but it's very, very clear. He said, yeah, we're going to join the WHO, um, but you can't tell us what to do. You know, we'll, we'll be there to help out, you know, we'll work with the international community, but forget about it. You know, we're, you're not going to tell us anything. If you change your constitution or you make some rules. And so I accidentally, when I'm writing and typing, my brain has so been, in, you know, ensconced with this. I write the international health recommendations because essentially that's what it is. The, the WHO can make all the recommendations they want. Mm -hmm. And if you want to follow them, knock yourself out. But if you have been programmed and, and uh, hypnotized, that's why I refer to them actually as the World Hypnosis Organization, because they're really good at giving you a suggestion. I mean, think about it, a recommendation. Let, let me give you a suggestion. Let me give you a hypnotic suggestion. And if you're hypnotized and, and you go, oh, I guess that means I have to, uh, you misinterpret the whole damn thing about what it means to be human. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, the CDC, look at the CDC recommendations that were thrown our way. I mean, that that was the basis for most governors and, and uh, county executives and mayors for doing what they did to a lot of people. Uh, CDC recommends face masks. CDC recommends six feet. And then all of a sudden, willy-nilly changed to three feet because they wanted to get people back in school a little bit easier. It, it, it was all recommendations, and it's just white coat syndrome. You, you, you throw somebody up there with perceived level of authority and, uh, and, and, and a lot of uh, unquestioning, subservient people fell in line. It was one hell of a compliance test, and, and we failed on, on a number of levels. But now, as, you say, as you're pointing out and documenting so well, it's being cobbled together on a grander scale internationally. And so the, the thing that I've been finding about this is because these amendments to the international health regulations were meant, you know, they hoped that they would be hidden and that they would pop up, be approved, and then disappear. There's an unusual six-month period where, just like when Harry Truman got us in and said, you know, look, you can't make us do nothing we don't want to do. Um, Article 61, and again, it's right in on, on, on the webpage, uh, Article 61 says that there is a six-month right of rejection period so even if they uh, approve these things in may all 194 nations of the world literally can just write a note and tell them to shove off it's like it, it's like if you bought something online and it showed up and you're like no i don't like it send it back or or you bought a timeshare you know you're on vacation you get talked into a timeshare and you have a three-day cooling off period and 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 you go no nah, i changed my mind i want it back um even if it's approved, every nation has the uh, option to just say, no, thanks. You know, we don't really want this. But if you don't know, right, and that's where words matter, right? Um, ignorance of the law is misunderstood, and I pronounce it ignorance, right? Mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're unaware of the law, that's different than knowing the law and ignoring it. Right. And so most people are completely unaware 
of the international health regulations. They haven't read them, so they don't realize that they're not law. They're, they give the, uh, the WHO um, the power to make a recommendation. Well, you know, your neighbor down the street can make a recommendation as to what you should, you know, what color you should paint your house. It's not a law. I mean, there are some towns in California where, you know, it's a, a municipal ordinance, you, you know, you're restricted or you've got a, a gated community and you've agreed when you sign the deed, you know, that, you know, yeah, I'm, but those are not laws. Those are agreements. And this is where people don't know the difference. Right. There's very few things where there is an authority that under the law restricts you. What happens is you make the mistake of signing some agreement. And you know, if I get into a contract with you and I agree to do something, I'm bound by my dumbass agreement that I wasn't paying attention. I signed a contract with you and well, it's like, hey, you agreed to do this, right? That's not law. That's not abridging your rights. You gave them away because you agreed to do so. And that's what that's what this is all about. It, it's a executive agreement where we're agreeing to give our rights away. And that's just not something that we have to do. And what the people, in my opinion, should you know, to do to protect themselves is just say, hey, you know, don't you dare. And that's where the website came from. You're gonna give away our, our sovereignty don't you dare dot info go to don't you dare dot info read about all of it don't trust me i'm just showing you what i found that's right there in plain sight and then if you scroll down a bit there's a big red button and it takes you to another website which is stop the who.com and it's just everything that an activist you know would want to have in their toolbox it's literally an activist toolbox uh stop the who.com Tons of videos, tons of articles that you can share online. There's yeah, there's a lot. Print out. There's graphics. There's letters that you can send. Um, and and I'm, I'm going to take a step back and 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 calm down the the fire, and say, look, um, you can't be mad at anybody for at this point in time, not knowing this. Right? I don't know when you found out about it. You know, Sean told you about it. Go back a month, well, six weeks. You know, six weeks ago, I didn't know about this. Right? They were trying to hide it. And so cut your friends some slack and say, look, man, I just found out about this. And I want to share it with you. You really got to check it out. I get back with you shortly. Um, once they've had the opportunity to know, now they're aware, right? Now, if they choose to ignore it, um, they do so at their own peril. But with our, our, our Congress people and, and stuff, you know, there's elections coming up. So there's incumbent uh, senators, representatives, all kinds of, you know, um, politicians. Well, they have people that are candidates that are running against them. So I challenge your, um, I challenge your, uh, listening audience to, you know, alert your incumbent politician, whatever it may be, but also alert all of their opponents and see who gets back to you. Because if your representative doesn't get back to you, you know, if a candidate running for office won't get back to you now, you think they're going to get back to you once you get into office? And so don't be mad at them now because no one's necessarily alerted them. But if you alert them, you know, it's actually a crime. There's a law called misprision of treason, where if you know of a treasonous plot against the Constitution. Oh, God. Um, 
you're guilty you're guilty of a crime if you don't speak out about it right you think about and, and, applying that to the to the last eight congresses i don't know what will be left of the american union but maybe no, that's here's, needed. here's here's the joke here's the joke okay you could apply this to your viewers okay your viewers are, are on some level legally obligated to share the information by spreading this video around because if you keep it a secret you're part of the cabal that's keeping it a secret so you know do your civic duty share this video it's that you know it's that easy the um, alert people the, the, I, I think that the, the best thing about the I, I mean uh, when it comes to these international plots and um, and we really got we really got a lot here and I hope everybody goes don't you dare dot info um, and I also have on the on the screen James Raguski dot substack dot com the um, the the globalists are going to do whatever the hell they want to do anyway what we need to do I really believe is this is best this is best applied to once again our governors, our sheriffs at home. Um, I, I really do believe that if there is any kind of a uh, international pushback, it will be, uh, we'll, we'll get a little bit more um, of that from other other countries, maybe, who knows? And maybe we'll be able to actually find a way to, 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 to negate this from a congressional level sometime uh, in, over that course of six months as well. But really, this comes down to if we're going to be uh, in any way, shape, or form a representative government, a republic again, then it's then the real movers and shakers that are going to say, don't you dare, are going to be our voted for elected sheriffs, our governors, people who are going to say, no, there is absolutely no authority that the federal government has to impose this on Americans, and I'm not going to allow it. That's the best way. I mean, there are ways that we can uh, we can get this around and have it be uh, useful to us in some kind of a local local manner. While it, it, it could be a little bit um, it could be a, a little bit stressful to think about how we can we can push back the tide of this this uh this great reset plot because of course it's all part of the same thing the the bioterrorism biosecurity aspect is the only the latest layer that is obviously going to be rolled in with the environmental lockdowns that they've been talking about for a couple of years now the economic reset that they're trying to roll on in and everything else that goes along with the cyber uh cyberspace arena but um, I think that this is most useful for people to get out and, and especially get out to local decision makers and, and their state governments. And I, I thank you, James, for coming on and, and really putting this into uh, several easily digestible nutshells for people. Anything else you want to plug before we, we move on? Well, it's not about plugging anything other than uh, to expand on what you just said. If there's any official, uh, and including uh, former and active military, um, just think about anybody that you know who has um, pledged an oath to defend the Constitution. Uh, you know, I see this as treasonous behavior. You're, you're plotting to give away sovereignty to a corrupt corporation, you know, and tricking 194 nations to do the same thing. Uh, if anyone has pledged an oath to defend the Constitution, now is the time to stand up and 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 do that. You know, defend that right uh, that you have. And so, the only thing I'd like to plug at the end is my phone number, which people think I'm crazy. It's three one zero six one nine three zero five five three one zero 
619-309-3055. I have met the most amazing people all around the world. I've been on the phone with people in uh, Uganda and Singapore and Malaysia and South Africa and Europe and Ecuador. Um, I did a video two weeks ago. A, a couple of women in Ecuador call me later that day. Oh, my God, you know, what the hell's going on? Six hours later, it's translated into Spanish. I'm like, wow, crowdsourcing. What a cool idea. Yeah. Okay. And so, you know, um, you can hear this message and then you can go back to sleep and forget about it and ignore it. Go back into your dream world. Or um, maybe this lights the fire in your butt and you say, what can I do to help? Go to uh, um, stopthewho.com. And after you've had a chance to look through all the information, of course, you're going to have a question. Of course, you're going to want to say, you know, what the hell is going on here? Um, give me a call. Love to talk to you. James, you've been a wonderful guest tonight. Thank you so much for coming on with short notice, and uh, and we'll be in touch for sure. Thank you for all the work you've done. Thanks for the audience uh, and, and, you know, access to your audience. And uh, I'd, I'd love to see this be the biggest video you've ever had. You know, it's, it's, it, should, it should go all over the world. You look at your analytics. And, you know, people everywhere um, need to hear this message. Well, I'll definitely hi I make a highlight of it and, and uh, upload our talk uh, as a separate video on Rumble and, and BitChute and elsewhere. And I, I certainly do hope that it, it does ignite a, uh, a flame and, 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 and go far and wide. But then again, you're making a lot of appearances these days, so you're definitely not going to... Uh, you're not going to fall flat for lack of trying, that's for sure. So I'm, I, I wish you all the best, and, and of course, it's up to everybody to, to chip in on this effort, too. So thank you again, James. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Have a good day. Uh, you too. Be well. James Rogowski. So there you go. It's, a, it's, it's just yet another thing. And it's part of the – it's not like, oh, man, another fire, another thing. No, it's, it's part of – it's another step in that reset. And it's happening this month, in a couple of weeks, May 22nd. It's May 5th right now. Don't you dare dot info. I actually shared the executive summary image on the official, quite frankly, Telegram. So you can go there and grab that and pass it around if you like. And all the, the I, it's true though. It is his cell phone number. I went to his website. I was like, man, I wonder if I can. I've never been able to book somebody who's been getting around like this so quickly and even be able to get in touch with them. But let me just go to his website, see if he has like a Twitter or something. And boom, there's a, a phone number. I said, are you serious? So I called it. And he picked up. I said, damn. That was easy. And here we go. All right, it's 7.56. But wanted to do that. Wanted to put it together. I think it goes together well with um, the introduction that we had to uh, Kathy Barnett from before, who was out there running for... Um, running for U.S. Senate, which, of course, is the body in question, the deliberative body in question if a treaty is going to be ratified by these United States. And, uh, and for her to very rightly call out the WEF, the UN, the globalist push, and, and, and what, what you really need to be looking out for if you are going to go out there and vote for people who have promised to look out for your best interests as Americans, I thought it, it, this all went together very nicely. Now, in the second half, I'm going to open up the lines. We can get some calls for anything we've done tonight, anything we've done all week so far. I have a number of emails on on uh, matters of life and death, as we were talking about last night, that I think are... I took a glance at a few of them. I didn't want to read... I like doing a lot of things for the first time with you guys. 
and just get some natural reactions out and, and do things together. But from what I've been able to preview, these were very nice emails, very well thought out and, uh, and, and, and pretty, pretty uh, emotional stuff, too. So I can't wait to do that. Take your calls. And then tomorrow's Friday. We'll be able to do a little bit of chilling and wrap this week up in style. So get your phone calls ready, 914-595-6953. We will be back in just a few short minutes. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Quite frankly. 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 Quite frankly, how dare you? So, we are able to get around to some super chats to give the phones a little bit of time. Um, let's see. Let us see here. So, the super chats are open, ladies and gentlemen. You can contribute through uh, Tipistream, the Rockfin, of course, there's Rumble. And the gold pills on Foxhole. Been really able to rely on those gold pills lately to come in and give me some good interactions. That's the real thing there. Going into the Super Chats is really all about taking mini calls. Taking mini calls from the audience. I know that it's a, it's a pain in the ass to only have the Discord, at least for the time being. Which that was, um, I really like taking calls there. But hopefully Gilded is the same thing. We can do things like that over there. We'll see what happens. But also with the, uh, with the Skype. I understand it's just one number. 
um, and I, it's it's creates a little bit of a bottleneck and I take as many people as I can and and I know God knows how many good calls I have missed over the years because we don't have call screeners and we don't have more than one line so we're very I like audience interaction it's an essential part of the show and aside from being a, a way to support the show monetarily these super chats the tips the uh, gold pills I mean, it could be a dollar, and you still have over a tweet's worth of characters to, to, to make a mini call to the show. What do you think about a certain topic? What kind of, or do you want to, you know, drop a joke or drop a suggestion or whatever the hell it is? It's very important. So I encourage you all to, uh, to partake. And, and actually, I have something here I was thinking about doing. Now, I don't know what I'm going to do. It Maybe I'll do it tomorrow night. But I have, I, I was, I made a joke with my buddy Mike May when we were, when we were wrapping up our show at the, uh, at Garcia's last week, last Wednesday night. And I said, I said, Mike May, you want me to sign you a, uh, a set list? He said, yes, please sign, sign me. So I said, don't worry. And I said, oh, wait a second. You know what? Let me take one of these set lists and let me take one of my broken drumsticks. I don't know what happened. I, I, I broke like two or three drumsticks in the second to last song out of a 90-minute set. I'm happy that that's when all the drumsticks started breaking because I was left with only three by the end of it. And they were not in good shape, so I could have been shit out of luck. So I started saying to myself, I'm going to set, I'm going to send a set list. I'll make sure that the guys from the bands sign it just so it's all fun and games. I'm going to send a set list and a broken drumstick that you can stab somebody you can keep it underneath your underneath your uh, your bed if there's an intruder in the night you can take it out you can stab somebody whatever you want to do with it uh, you can't play the drums with it uh, you can let the dog chew on it you can play fetch you can cut off the yeah you can cut off the the pointy part you can kill a vampire with it so i was thinking maybe tomorrow night i will take all of the names of the people who send in super chats or, or gold pills or tips from Rockfin. And, uh, and I will put them all into a lottery. And we will draw a name and they'll get, uh, they'll get these two relics from our first show back after the COVID break. Now, just to let you know, I thought about this. It does not matter what you, what you put as a donation. It could be all $1 donations. And... You can't flood it. So it's not like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make 18 Super Chats and I'm going to make sure that I rig it for me. If you make 18 Super Chats, I'm only taking one for the lottery. You can still make 18, but I'm only taking one for the lottery. All right? And then I'm going to announce it. And then how do I get people to get in touch with me to exchange mailing addresses privately? How do I trust that the person getting in touch with me is actually the winner? And I'm going to have to do the winner announce the winner on air so that they, I have one or two more things to work out with this. So hopefully I'll be able to do it tomorrow. Hopefully. And then who knows? Maybe I just start taking things from around my house and giving them away to uh, to, to make things fun and, and do some, some contests that support the show and all that. But just putting that out there. Okay. Let us go into the Super Chats. Uh, Cat from Minnesota. I did not see this. 
Kat called in and asked for some advice for her, uh, her son who was going to New York City. Kat said, thank you so much for the advice for my son. So precious. Love you. Love to you and yours. Thank you, Kat. And tip of the cap to the boy out there. Um, on Rumble, we have a, a Rumble rant that came in from Selling the Farms. Here's a buck for luck, Frank. And oh, yeah, screw Joe Biden and Obummer and Obummer too. So that, that's straight from the source there. Thank you to everybody on Foxhole. Thank you to Sean Joe. Thank you to Paul, Paulie9363, who says, Gold pills for the, the family, man. Go White Sox. How are the White Sox doing this year? CB Joey321. CB Joey321. You can call in. CB Joey321 says, send Matt to Sex Island Fund. Here's here's the send Matt to Sex Island Fund. Oh, boy. Already needs permission to get out of the house these days. You think he's going to be sent to Sex Island? <laughs> uh, t- let's see. Tam Growl. Tam Growl. Thank you so much. Jay Jewel, thank you, Frank, she says. Jay Bruski say, consistently fantastic shows and guests. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Jay. Wonderful to have you out there. Dr. Hoffman says, great guest, Frank, but scary as heck. Well, there's so many things going on. These types of revelations shouldn't be as scary. Most, mostly expected, especially since it's part of the, the greater plot. Um, Dr. Hoffman again says, apparently President Trump was with Elon in acquiring Twitter. Well, let's be honest. As I always said, it's going to be net positive. At least for now. Who knows? Actually, I'm not going to, I'm going to reserve that. It's, it's, it's chaotic neutral right now. We don't know. It has upset all of the people we don't like. And for the moment, that's good enough. Okay, because really Twitter has not been a friend to us for many, many years at this point, and we have carried on and done great things, if you ask me. But um, but as far as what is going to change over the next couple of months of this this transition, we will see. We will see. Um, we will see. I mean, if all goes well, and Elon Musk actually does do objectively positive things, in neutralizing what has been a a very one-sided and wholesale corrupt affair, a corrupt undertaking over there at Twitter. If he does do anything to neutralize that in an objective sense, like there's no way to deny that things have objectively gotten better, then yeah, that that would be wonderful. That would be wonderful. And it, it would at least be a little bit more of an open place where Truth Social and President Trump can have a presence on there, at least in a promotional sense. You know, what if one out of every five or one out of every ten things that uh, Trump releases to the, the, the public, he finally has the option to put it back on Twitter, especially if they restore the, his Twitter account? You're talking tens of millions of people. Tens of millions of people to share things that may, may only be exclusively uh, share uh, uh, previews of things that can only be exclusively accessed on Truth Social. It could be a huge tool still, but like like all of us, it would be ridiculous if if Donald Trump 
went and rejoined Twitter and made that a place where he mirrors everything he does elsewhere. It can't be. It needs to be like well, how we treat YouTube now, where we're, we're there. I'm constantly trying to get people to make sure that they they invest their time and and whatever elsewhere and just to spread it out a little bit. But I mean, that that's aside from the fact that he sunk so much money into Truth Social. You cannot destroy your brand. You can't stab it in the cradle. Regardless who you are and what you created, you put that much money in, you can't go join another platform because they let you back in. So, Secret Weapon, thank you so much. A lot from Dr. Hoffman, from Warrior, Me- Warrior Mima. Jay Brewskis, your nipples are hidden in that shirt, Frank. Such a waste. More. More. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep, I'm just gonna keep the suspense up. For my 40th birthday, perhaps there will be a, uh, a nipple reveal. <laughs> I don't want to see your 40-year-old nipples, freak. I can hear some salty person out there saying. B-Tech Vendetta. Thank you. Good to see you out there. That's another OG now. A lot of Dr. Hoffman sprinkling in cookies. A lot another from B-Tech. More and more. Tom Ford, thank you. Wow, look at all the support coming in from Foxhole. Thank you guys so much. Doug Simmy, thank you. Just Because, thank you, Bob. Frank, we have a gold pill war going on here. I see that, Dr. Hoffman. I see that. Neo says, can't help not getting in on the cookie fight. <laughs> so there's a, there's a giant cookie fight going on, and I feel like a million bucks right now. Asher says... Balls, just wanted to hear you say it. Much love, buddy. Balls, thank you, Asher. Uh, C. Blanche, thanks, pal. Awesome guest, I dig. Swickly says, have we reached the precipice yet? Thanks for keeping us informed. God bless. Oh, I, I believe so. Like I said before, I don't, I don't know how. Like I said to, um, to James right before he left, I don't know how any of this stops. Um, them moving forward with all of these WHO things. I mean, the, the delegates that are largely sent out to these places to to vote on things, especially when it comes to the, from the UN and anything like that, there are very few people that act in dissent for what's happening. But um, as someone like Chris Ann Hall would say, which I got to get her back on the schedule, especially since we're getting into more and more patriotic months, um, as Chris Ann Hall would say, and she was just on Infowars actually yesterday, talking about Roe versus Wade, that a number of these things that that we are are cautioned over, with how, you know what is this going to do to American sovereignty? What is agreed upon out there with the WHO? It really is. Uh, it really is meaningless if there is an informed public. Because there is nothing in the Constitution that allows anybody to negate the Constitution like this. To offset all of our domestic responsibilities to ourselves, our legislative responsibilities to ourselves, to our citizens, to an international body. Nothing like that exists. So this is only able to, they're only able to fake it until they make it because we are incredibly ignorant and have been 
have been uh, educated for many generations now by the people who hate us and our birthright the most and have been trying to dissolve that birthright the most. So that's that's an example of uh, education, both public and private, mind you. You know, um, I know th- there's 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 just as many dim bulbs coming out of the private sector education as well, because they all follow along with uh, they follow along with uh, lots of different types of federal mandates. And and of course, their fellow travelers who just like like diversifying their their uh, employment opportunities. You know, you don't think that there's there's tons of Marxists getting paid by private education institutions. What do you think most of the colleges are? So it really comes down to, once again, acknowledging that all of this is illegal and then doubling down on what you have at your disposal locally. That's why it's so important to really get involved in those those in-state elections for your governor, for your state assembly, for your local offices, and, of course, your sheriff. The sheriff is the one that says, oh, oh, yeah, Brussels. Oh, oh, yeah, Belgium, France, Paris. Oh, yeah, well, they can go fuck themselves because this is Tampa, Florida, or, you know, this is Topeka or whatever else. That's just that's just the way it is. And that's how we have to focus, because there's no way I would waste any time trying to stop the inevitable tide of globalism from at least attempting what they have planned for hundreds of years. Hundreds of years. Let's see here. Tom Ford says, if Musk is to truly make Twitter better, he would have to get rid of DARPA and uh, all those funding. Yes. Well, there's a lot here coming in. Texas for Trump. Thank you. Put in hollow. Thank you. All right. We're going to get around to these again in a little bit. Mikey Guru and the rest. Thank you guys and gals so much. I can't can't wait to release the scratching later on. Okay, let's take some calls. 914-595-6953. It's 8.15. What I'll do is we'll take a call or two, and then we're going to go into some of our um, some of the emails that have been sent to us that refer to the last couple of days of discussion. And I also want to wish a happy birthday. I want to wish a happy birthday to Robert Sarns out there. All right, from his, I, I was told about Robert's birthday from his wife, Donna. The Donna said, I don't know if it's possible, but, it, but on May 5th, it's his birthday, 62. 62. So if you have time, of course I have time. Happy birthday, Robert and Donna. Take care of him. He's a good man. All right, let's kick this one off. Uh, King, King 40, how you doing? Oh, wait, wait, the speakers are muted. Speakers are muted. Uh, okay, King, go ahead. What's on your mind? Hold on. You hear me, Frankie? Yeah, what's up, man? You hear me? Yeah, I hear you. You hear me? All right. Yeah, I hear you. Okay. So check it out. Yeah. Um, this is something I've been meaning to talk to you about live on the air. Um, what are you eating? A, are you, you eating a Big Mac right now? Again? Are you eating a Big Mac right now? <laughs> you bastard. I'm sorry. No, I actually have pistachios. I didn't mean to be rude. I didn't think I was going to get picked up so quick. Oh, well, here so you I are. Was pistachios. I didn't mean to be rude. Sorry to you and to your audience. 
sidebar. No, I, I, I was just I was just busting your onions, as you would say. Go ahead, man. I want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> All right. So this happened. This happened a little bit ago. So like in Massachusetts, right? So now you and I talk. We're both Ginzos, right? And I know how a lot of your audience is like, oh my God, how can you be friends with him? And you non-Ginzos have to understand, even though Frankie and I are very different and come from different backgrounds, we're still Ginzos, okay? There is still a bloodline there that connects us that we're always gonna stick up for each other. Much like the blacks have that, much like the hillbillies, the Irish, and everybody else, much like everybody else has that, us Ginzos have that. So understand that between me and Frankie. You see what I'm saying? Mm, yeah. Audience, not Frankie. Frankie already knows. So any non-Ginzo that comes after one of my own is going to have a problem, especially Frankie. I love this man. But I digress. Actually, I progress. But anyways, so... In Massachusetts, they got this new chop suey mayor, all right? <laughs> and it's a broad chop suey mayor. In, in Boston, right? Now, in Boston, correct. Oh, so you know where I'm going with this, right? Uh, no, I don't, I don't know, but I, I know who you're talking about. Go ahead. Well, well I'm going to tell you, you need to hear it, and the audience needs to hear it. Because, um, you know, you and I talk all the time about Ginzo things that other people that ain't us would not understand. And how we get pissed off because we're always getting dunked on and people think they can just crap on us all the time and we're supposed to just take it. But when we shit on people, it's like fucking, <laughs> anyways, cut to the chase. So there's this uh, section of Boston, Frankie, and it's called the North End. I don't know if you're aware of it. And it's us, it's our people. It's much like Arthur Avenue in the Bronx. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. All right. So, you know, the Chinese virus, again, chop suey mayor and abroad. So the Chinese virus um, is, they starting to open up things again and, oh, now you can do um, outside dining, but gotta be maxed and this and that and whatever. And this, Chop Suey Broad specifically targeted us and said only the North End has to pay an outdoor dining tax. Why? Wouldn't give a wouldn't give a reason. There's no reason why Would she not give a reason. Th so she she is she's taxing a specific section of the city and she wouldn't give a reason. Which I mean is not it's correct. Correct. That, and the only section of the city that was taxed was us, Frankie. Look it up. I ain't bullshitting you. Let's see here. Uh, this is from, oh, wait, wait, that, that's from March 29th. Oh, let's see. This is from WCVB. Mayor Wu says her office is still trying to reach North End Outdoor Dining Fee Agreement. Oh, that this is um, from this is owners here pretty upset. This is from March though. That's so it. Yeah, it, that's but, it right there. But it's old. And we was the only ones getting taxed. 
Nobody else, Frankie, just us. The city announced earlier this month that North End restaurants would have to pay $7,500 for outdoor dining, fee, a fee not being imposed on eaters in other parts of the city. On Tuesday, Wu held, a fir, uh, a fir, held firm on $7,500 fee, but said restaurants could apply for a hardship waiver that could drop the fee to 5000 or 3000 It's a very different impact when you have 70 different outdoor patios in this area than anywhere else in the city, and most of them are on the street so she's saying that because there's so many restaurants packed together they're all they're going to tax them because because there's so many more i don't get it that's bullshit that's some bullshit that's all over the city that's all over any city so she's targeting a specific group well well let me ask you king this was from march 29th so you're saying that since then it has been it has been uh, made official now I'm not sure, Frankie. I'm going to have to dive into it a little more. All of a sudden, they, or people were fighting, and then all of a sudden it went off the radar, and I tried to ask people what's happening, and I haven't been able to get an answer. Hmm. Well, thank you for bringing this yeah. up. Yeah, it, it's crazy. You know, thank you for bringing it up because it's one of those like local things that yeah, we we follow a lot of news that that usually makes nat- national headlines or international headlines, but it, it, that 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 almost glosses over what the little cr- acts of crazy that go on locally too. So thank thanks for letting us know that that was even taking place. You're welcome, my friend. Ginzo Power. Ginzo Power. All right, thank you, friend. Be well. There he goes. King King Forty brought the uh, the Ginzo power with him. Jeez. Now I don't know how that how that ended, but once again, the fact that these things these ideas are even being kicked around in certain places are unreal. Let's take another call. Valsky, what's going on, Valsky? Val. 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 Oh. Oh. Okay, well, I'm hearing myself instead of Val, so we can't have that happen. We will take one more, and then I want to get into some other things over here. And we'll keep dribbling this in. In fact, we'll just get started. You know that Kathy Barnett I talked about before? She had a story that actually fit nicely in with this this week's theme so far. And we will uh, get to that after I bring in a first-time caller, Sir Jason... Sir Jason, are you there? You're on uh, D Live for as long as we ha- no, for Discord for as long as we have Discord. Sir Jason, are you there? No, he's not. Okay, he bounced out. We'll t- try one more time with Val. Val, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Frank? I'm doing well. It's great to hear from you again. What's on your mind tonight? So I was tuning in to listen to you and the boys earlier this afternoon on Adel's channel. Mm. And at the very end, that creepy video uh, that Adel dug up and played, I don't know how well you looked at it or paid attention to it. I was just wondering what your thoughts were on it. Well, for those, well, I mean, I have it, I have it set aside because obviously I'm going to have to play it on the show so everybody can watch it together. Yeah, I agree. You know, just so people know what, what we're talking about there. But there is a very... Very creepy video, uh, a psych war, a mind war, psychological warfare video that was put out that you don't know if it's a it's an upcoming, you know, sh- series, a, sh- a limited television series or a video game. But 
you realize that it's a recruitment video for at least a, an arm or a wing or a certain group inside of our military. And it is pretty, I, the only thing I can come up with that, that they hit me is it's a completely creepy revelation of the method video that just pretty much brags about how so many of the world's uh, supposedly um, authentic revolutions and uprisings and all that are really just controlled controlled psychological warfare operations that are all centralized and uh, and we are part of it and we are being we are yep. being steamrolled in ways that we uh, we can't even detect sometimes so I, I, I'll bring that up on another night Val because it, it'll be a little bit yeah. diver, divergent right now but thank you for calling in great thanks thank Bye -bye. you Yes. Uh, maybe I'll bring it up tomorrow night. We can we can open up the show with it, and uh, especially if I if I don't get enough folklore, um, local folklore things submitted on the thread, maybe we do that tomorrow night. Creepy as shit. Real creepy. If Rob was here tonight, then I definitely would have done that in the opening. It's about a three-minute video, and maybe we'll do it together tomorrow night. But it, it is a creepy thing. But as I said... As I said, Senate candidate Kathy Barnett from Pennsylvania that we watched uh, before, she actually has a story that fits nicely in with this week's theme about, you know, value of life and, um, and the, 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 the varying debates that pop up around that. She says, I'm a product of rape, but was never a clump of cells. Just two weeks before the Pennsylvania primary, this is from The Federalist. It's a short, short but very sweet article. Just two weeks before the Pennsylvania primary election, GOP candidate Kathy Barnett said she's alive today because her mother, who was only a preteen when she was raped, decided not to end the life in her womb. I am the byproduct of a rape. The veteran, uh, the veteran revealed during a Republican primary debate on Wednesday. My mother was 11 years old when I was conceived. My father was 21. I was not just a lump of cells. As you can see, I'm still not just a lump of cells. My, my life has value. Barnett said that regardless of whether the premature release of the Supreme Court's Dobbs versus Jackson draft opinion was leaked or a tactical, uh, or a tactical operation, she is pro-life because she believes life in the womb is just as important as life outside of it. My life is valuable, and so are the many lives that find themselves in the womb of their mother, whether in the womb or towards the end of that life, she said. Barnett also cast doubt on, the, on her opponent, Dr. Mehmet Oz, Dr. Oz, for saying that he is pro-life. Up until recently, Oz, who garnered an endorsement from former President Donald Trump, expressed hesitancy at laws restricting abortion and lamented that before Roe v. Wade, women endured traumatic events and wanted abortions and had to turn, turn to coat hanger events. That is one of the reasons why it was so very disturbing when I saw Dr. Oz running for this particular race, when I've seen him on numerous occasions, specifically at the Breakfast Club, saying that my life was nothing more than an acorn with electrical currents. Barnett said, I am wondering if the doctor has now since changed his position on that. Oz responded that he believes life begins at conception and that, quote, I would never think of harming that child or even nine months earlier. But just a few months prior, 
He endorsed abortion in cases of rape, incest, and if the mother's life is at risk, which, as I said before, if that's the only thing that's... It's such a, a small sliver. And uh, I have more on that. But that's that's from this new candidate that obviously has made a splash in the last 24 hours, Kathy Barnett, for Senate in Pennsylvania. So if you're in Pennsylvania... Between that and the WEF, I don't know who's funding her. I don't know if somebody finds that she's um, she's not what he's, she seems or I don't know. But as I see it right now, she's a person of interest. If I were living in Pennsylvania and I was going to be voting, uh, that is a person that I would definitely consider over Dr. Oz no matter what. No matter what. So... Um, there you go. All right, so I have a little bit more. But here's now from our audience. Here's now from our audience. Hi, Frank. This is from Kaz. And this is from just on this week in general. And you can keep calling into the show. I will go to your calls after after I read this and put some thoughts out there. We'll take a break and we'll do a few more and um, and have a good time. Then I'll check the Super Chats again. Hi, Frank. What an amazing show last night. The topics were something I've always been stuck on. That's, of course, euthanasia, death penalty, abortion, all the different takes on that we hear on every front. I used to support uh, euthanasia for palliative care as I started my career within health sector, caring for adults at the end of life. But my stance was that it would have been to uh, would have to be the choice of the person making that decision, which is the same as putting a do not resuscitate order on a loved one, which is absent in the decision of abortion, of course. What really helped me have a clearer picture of this subject from watching the film The Shack. There is a piece uh, there is a piece partway in the film which opened my thinking on the subject. My whole insight changed regarding life, actions of others, and what my role as a soul is. I have a mature spiritual uh, view of the world. It came from healing pain from childhood drama, abuses on all levels, which left me with a soul loss. My life was fragmented. Part of my trauma came from finding my mom overdosed. I was 10, I had to save her life, but finding her close to seriously hurting herself was life-changing. But she had long, uh, a, a lifelong trauma eating its way through her soul, and it was like watching a, de- a detonation. She was so destructive in all areas in life, a trail of pain upon others. It was like that part of the film I mentioned above, a moment of clarity for others not seeing their decisions and behaviors from judging their actions, um, from judging their actions, it's not my place. My place is from understanding and empathy. So if we're going to reform humanity, we have to adopt a viewpoint that, that, that doesn't just use judgment but understanding. Their, act, their actions are consequences are the out, and consequences are the outcome of very harsh reality for many. Those who take life, take a life, it's on them and they should be aware of their actions of that taking life stays with you and you can't reverse it. I have supported all my friends through their life choices, whether it was abortion, miscarriage, miscarriage is not a choice, underage motherhood, and struggling with newborn when going through postnatal depression. But never once did I ever judge. I gave love, I support, and just being there for them. So after many life lessons, expanding my consciousness and healing my heart, 
I just say a prayer for the unborn children and say a prayer for the girl or woman making that decision, but always show them the actions have consequences, good or bad. And it reaches your soul and it either blossoms refreshing and refreshing good energies or it withers away, leaving holes in the soul that can only be filled with pain and suffering. Now, I, uh, I understand that the understanding and, and the support, and sometimes all you can do is, is be supportive of people, even when they're making mistakes or things you perceive as mistakes. Um, I, uh, it's one of those things where I see, as, as much as it disgusts me to see those, those TikTok compilations or videos of, of um, you know, pro-choice, they call it, protesters or activists on college campus, these, these, these uh, battalions of young girls who have, they really never had a chance that are advocating and in such vicious ways. It's not like they're even very politely being wrong. It's vicious. It's, 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 it's venomous in, in the way that they, they go about doing their thing. And, of course, the more impolite we are, the more everybody is impolite. Everybody's just becoming more and more impolite because we realize that there's no way of getting through. And once you can't get through to somebody, then you hit a brick wall. And if you really believe that you are facing down against Nazis, people who are trying to put you in shackles, then you can also understand why they are acting so insane. But at the same time, it's like one of those, you know, they know not what they do moments. I mean, this generations of brainwashing, and the, it, it's very hard for many of them to have ever had a chance at any other viewpoint. So it's, it, it's sad. It, it's really sad because they've been trapped in a very unnatural way of seeing the world and a way of way of seeing life in general um so supporting people loving and just being there and not being didactic not being preachy in some way is sometimes the best thing you can do uh let's take a really quick break when we come back more of your calls and more of these great emails and that's how we'll round out the night open lines open lines we will be right back my name is giovanni giorgio but everybody calls me giorgio You are a cis male. Have you ever heard of that term? A cis male? Cis male. C-Y-S-M-A-L-A. So what it means is that you are a man. You're born a man. Well, as far as you know. As far as I know. And you identify yourself as a man. Yes. That's a cis male. Now, I don't understand. Where is that? Is this a new phrase? Yes. It's a way of marginalizing a normal person. <laughs> Watches the podcast called, quite frankly, hits more home runs than a New York Yankee. It'll make you grin unlike a bank fee, just as cozy as a nighttime blankie. Number one, not two, like Mr. Hanky. It can get spooky like spies at Langley. And if you go and watch, you just might thank me. Amazing thing about snakes is that they reproduce spontaneously. What do you mean? They have both male and female sex organs. That's why somebody you don't trust, you call a snake. How can you trust a guy who can literally go fuck themselves? To a geologist. Don't you think that expression will come from the Adam and Eve story? When the snake tempted Eve to bite the apple? Hey, snakes were fucking themselves long before Adam and Eve showed up to you. Red, it, red, it, red it, get it, ah! Never to quite frankly, that TV. 
click on the Reddit logo, join us, engage in discussion topics, share your favorite clips, watch your favorite clips. You don't have a Reddit? Well, get signed up. For all them juicy deets, visit quitefrankly.tv. Someplace in my heart Somewhere in my heart All right, so here we are back in the studio together in New York on a nice spring evening And uh, and I have a little bit more I have a little bit more to, to get through with you. Let's take a call first Eight uh, uh, 831 you're on the air. What's going on 831? Hey, 831. It's Mr. Frank. How are you? I'm doing well. It's great to hear from you. Thank you. You're you're such a generous spirit, and I bless you. Well, thank uh, you. As much as I can bless any human being. <laughs> Sorry. I'll take um, it. I'll, I will, I will take it. Thank you. Okay. The topic of abortion? Mm-hmm. Um, most women will not talk about it. We, it is... Um, so prevalent, and unfortunately, uh, I have had two uh, more than 30 years ago. Um, it was my upraising. It was what I was forced emotionally to go through. Um, but I think it's vital that people know, because uh, it's never talked about, mm. that when you have an abortion, even if you're, I was raised by two people that said they were declared atheist. So, um, and an intelligent family, but they, they declared themselves to be atheist. And um, it harms your soul. It harms your soul and um, you move on and you make the best of it and you do good because you didn't know any better. But when you do know better, um, it's impossible to even think to do harm, if that makes sense. It does. I know exactly what you mean. Um, it's, you know, you can you can step on a... You can you step in something and 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 you realize that 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 you did wrong afterward, whatever it is. You just realize you made a mistake in some way, but then when you go back and you realize, oh, uh, well, now I know what the the consequences are. Now I have a little bit more of experience, a little bit more perspective. Then that second choice really is really is something where you you leave a you leave a big piece of yourself behind because it becomes a conscious decision to give something a part of you away. And um, and to surrender yourself to to something that you know is not going to pay any kind of positive dividend. Correct. And then you make a conscious decision to correct. And I'm not a person that goes out and uh, anti-abortion um, whatnot. I didn't know. I I became a Christian in my mid twenties, um, but. We all have the choice to be good every single day by the grace of God. 
And so, and God forgives us, and there is redemption in that. I, I just think it's just, there are millions of women, and nobody talks about it. And they're holding that inside, and that is damaging. You know, we can correct it if we talk about it. That, in my humble opinion, I, you're you're 100% right, and this is why I uh, I love I love being able to receive calls like this and 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 do shows like this because there is a there is a pressure a social pressure now to keep these things. I mean, there, there's a reason why the same reason why there are there have been so much so many overtures to make sure that nobody ever lets a a girl. A pregnant girl, pregnant woman, hear the heartbeat of their child when they're considering whether or not they they want to move forward with the pre- pregnancy. There is a reason why they keep away any kind of 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 evidence that you are human you, connection. Yeah, they 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 have, and then of course there's the political aspect of it, where you are an enemy to your own kind if you in any way, shape, or form get in the way of their their sacred right to choose something that we really never had a right to choose i i i as right. i as i don't I, buy into any of that i don't buy i mean as soon as as soon as you say that i shut that down in my mind because it's not true yeah it's just not true well i can't thank you enough for no. calling in and and for sharing sharing your, your thoughts and and uh and for blessing me too thank you for that as well oh my gosh for sure god bless you and your beautiful family and i hope this call if anything I know the well. I don't actually know the statistics, but I know there are so many women like me. And I'm 59 years old, and I don't forget it. I can't forget it, you know. So um, by the grace of God, you know, we go on because we had no knowledge before. But once we have knowledge, we have accountability. Thank you again. Uh, anyway, One, thank you for taking my call. Yes, beautiful call. Thank you. Uh, and I have a, I have a, actually a, a another email here from SC, which is going to go very well with this call. Hi, Frank. Uh, this whole SCOTUS thing has stirred up a very uncomfortable experience in my past. When I was 28, I was a single mother of one, living with my older sister, who was also a single mother. We took turns watching the kids and pooled our resources to make ends meet. I got pregnant from my boyfriend with whom I was going to break up. And he was actually, he was actually supportive no matter what I wanted to do, but that was an isolated moment of kindness for him. He was generally an asshole most of the time. My sister told me I should get an abortion because she had one in the past and knew the ropes. I was scared to go through with the pregnancy that I couldn't afford and with a guy uh, whom I really didn't love. This was long before the internet. I had no idea what my options were. I went to Planned Parenthood location near me and spoke to someone uh, and was was gauged at being around 12 weeks along. The Planned Parenthood employee never talked to me about options, any other option other than abortion. I made my appointment and returned on the day. I was waiting in the back room, all gowned up for my turn uh, for the abortion with other women. And I noticed two or three of these women seemed to know each other as they were laughing and joking with each other. And I came to the conclusion that they had been here before and that they were uh, not only comfortable but extremely carefree. 
I was feeling shame, guilt, anxiety for being there and also horrified by those girls and their callous attitude. I went through with it, but never got over the guilt. I've prayed for forgiveness, but some residual guilt never went away. A couple of years later, I suffered an, an ectopic pregnancy from a copper 7 IUD that I had put in so I would never consider an abortion ever again. I nearly died because of my fallopian tube had, had ruptured. They saved me, but now I was shy one tube. I remarried a couple of years later, but never got pregnant even without using my birth control. I figured because of the abortion, I didn't deserve any more children. The second story is about a coworker of mine. We worked at a luxury hotel, and she was a cute little Hispanic cocktail server named Teresa. She always talked openly about never wanting children because she hated kids. She was newly married and found herself to be pregnant. I thought for sure she would have an abortion, but no, something had changed. She had softened inside. You can see it in her face. I never met a more natural, happy mom than her. All she talked about was being a mother and how wonderful it was. So what happened? Both my sister and I saw the error of our ways, and we've both been pro-life for many years now. This dark stain on my life is something I never talk about. S.C. Well, as far as shame goes, normal people have a sense of shame as a regulatory mechanism inside of us. It's like fear. You have fear centers because it actually helps provide you a little bit of protection and to navigate through potentially dangerous times in your life, physically dangerous times. And sometimes that sense of shame or that sense of fear can be overdeveloped. And uh, for others, like the callous girls at the Planned Parenthood waiting for their abortions as if they were waiting to get their teeth cleaned, well, they've got other problems. It's on the other side, a lack of shame. But there's going to be things that we all carry around with us and wish that we did differently. And every day, I think that you have an opportunity to let to let mistakes we've made um, become guides for how we live the rest of our lives and also how, how we help new generations by equipping them with our stories. You know, there's there lots of young people are going to just need to make their own mistakes, but you'd be surprised how many will actually listen if they don't feel like they're being harassed in some way or preached to. And, and, and that's, again, why forums like this, I believe, are so important. And, um, and it'd be a lot easier for young people to make these decisions and, and, uh, and be confident in, in, and, and not be scared as scared if the culture was a little bit more life-affirming. You know, the, I saw a clip that was uh, shared today. Uh, I forget who the hell, who shared it, but it was a clip from the Joe Rogan podcast. And it was asking, uh, Joe Rogan recognizes the extreme complex ethical emotional surroundings on the abortion debate. And the quote is, there's a big difference between a little clump of cells and a fetus with eyeballs and a beating heart. But where do you draw the line? That's the question. No, it's not the question. You err on the side of life. That's what you do. Because who the hell is going to define it? Who is going to adequately define it for everybody? You err on the side of life. You, 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 that's not something you take a... You, you, you don't gamble with. And that may be something for me, especially it happened for me, 
that I would not have come to that. I would have probably been a little bit more on the fence on that kind of a thing and, and willing to negotiate a, 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 a time of viability or sentiency. I see a lot of people saying that, no, life begins at sentiency when you're sentient. Well, I know a lot of people walking around who have nine to five jobs that aren't fucking sentient. So can I just kill them? So SC, you're not alone, and you've also helped a lot of people by sharing your story. And there's nothing wrong with feeling shame, and there's nothing wrong with working through that and, and doing positive with it, because I, I believe that you've helped a, a few, quite a few people just by sharing that. So, um, so yeah, here's another one real quick, and then I'll take another call. It's 849. Frank, in principle, I'm pro-death penalty. This is, remember, this death penalty, euthanasia, and abortion. Frank, in principle, I'm pro-death penalty, but find myself against it because I'm not confident in the justice system to met out all, uh, met out a fair, just, and legal trial. Not to mention the near impossibility to impanel a jury of 12 intellectually and emotionally mature people capable of comprehending the complexity and nuance alike. Uh, it is, it is, the, it is the, the thing that makes me feel most uncomfortable about it all. Now, remember, I'm a believer in just war theory. I'm a believer in using, uh, in using lethal response to defend yourself or to put down a, a very dangerous threat to you and others, especially if they've already committed a, an act of violence or killed somebody or maimed them and they are not stopping. They, they've got to be put down. There's no counseling your way through that. So I am, I am fine with lethal force. But when it comes to the state, and many mistakes have been made, that's the one thing that, that I gotta. I just don't know. I just don't know. I don't know. They continue. I'm no long, I no longer call myself pro-life. Rather, I'm pro-justice. Euthanasia is complicated, but it boils down to turning away from divine help. Rather, taking your own life into your hands and taking into your own hands what belongs in God's hands. It misplaces priority on the right now at the expense of the not now. How much good does dying well do for others yet to come? Courage is bound up in suffering, but I often ask, what will I be thinking is important in 1,000 years? I, that, that's a pretty long lifespan. I don't know. What will people be thinking is important. Uh, what were what were people thinking was important one thousand years ago? Yeah, what what did people think was important a hundred years ago? Okay, I, I that's that's the real question here. This is a very, very quickly spiraling out of control problem that we have in society, and abortion is only one aspect of it. The way that we treat unborn children is only one aspect of it. The way we treat children that have been born, what we're doing to their minds when they're outside of the womb, what we do with the elderly and those who are considered useless to the state. We have a, it's a huge humanitarian crisis right now that dwarfs slavery. That dwarfs slavery in the American sense, dwarfs it. Dwarfs it. As... as Heinous as human slavery is, this is a hundred, this is a hundred times worse. 
So thank you, Adrian, from Hartford, Wisconsin, for sending that in. Now, I have one more over here. This is a short one. Well, who knows if it's short. 8.52. 8.52. We have eight minutes. Okay. Well, this one is... Uh, let me see here. I think we should have it. Death Row. This is Death Row. I think we should have Death Row. What I don't like is staying on Death Row for 20 years. Once they lose an appeal, you put them to death the next day at sunup. Euthanasia is wrong along with abortion and suicide. They are murder. Only God has the right to determine when we die. Okay, well, I agree on most of that. And then there's something I have always had a problem with. I have to be honest, I don't know what I believe about the idea of God personally determining time, place, and circumstance of death. I do believe that we will be judged by the way we handle the trials in our life, and that includes our death. Not to say that God, an omnipotent supernatural being, can't see the writing on the wall. I mean, it would make sense, it would make more sense to me if God if he were like the ultimate looking glass who can see every path a person is on to its rightful conclusion and thus knows that the conclusion changes as we make choices because don't we have free will? But I have always had a very hard time with the assertion that God micromanages every carbon-based life form on this earth. It makes more sense to me that just God has his rules, his standards, his messengers, his signs and his revelations, but I, I just don't see, I don't know. I also don't see him as the proverbial absentee landlord by any stretch. I mean, uh, we, can, we can be as connected or disconnected from the divine as we choose, I believe. You know, for those who practice praying or meditation, you know that there is a place that you can get to with practice where you lose sense of time and space. And there is a voice that is not your own, which will answer you back at times. But I, I, re, I, I have a really hard time accepting this image of God as the micromanager. I mean, may, maybe it's just because I just think to myself, maybe it's just cause and effect, action and reaction. Now, I went to a funeral recently for a very well-loved man. And the priest was, I, I mean, I don't know. I, he seemed like he, was, he would be a, he, a nice guy. But as a public figure in charge of a con leading a congregation, he was just not that good. He, he had this impossibly thick Indian accent. Um, and, but setting that aside, because it could have been an impossibly thick Irish accent or whatever, the homily was just a mess. A mess. Just a bad public speaker. Convoluted message. You know, as a talk show host, I was just sitting there cringing the entire time. I would give fantastic homilies. Uh, and, and if Joy Behar continues to talk about her sex life in public, I will join the priesthood, and I'll prove it to you all. I, I would give great homilies. But um, while this priest was searching for something personable, personable to say to a large crowd, very large crowd of grieving people, who were there for a man that he did not know, the priest did not know, but he very correctly, just based on who had shown up and how he was being eulogized and, and, and received, the priest very correctly described the dearly departed as a pillar in his community, 
an adored patriarch of a large family and a great friend to many. And then he proceeded at one point to drop a line that we have all heard before that I've always had a problem with. And it was about how it had been determined by God that this man, who was not terribly old, who did so much good in his life, um, had done enough, had done enough, and it was time to come home to heaven. Well, I mean, if it were as simple as that, why was it necessary to traumatize everyone by giving this man a highly aggressive form of cancer to bring him home? I, I don't understand that. I mean, you read stories about a young mother or something, a devoted wife, volunteers at the soup kitchen, uh, 40 years old or younger, and uh, a drunk driver smashes her to bits with a tractor trailer. Is that really because God thought it was time for her to come home and that was the best thing he can come up with? I, I, uh, I mean, it just creates great discord inside of me. It makes zero sense. It's actually offensive to my senses. And uh, again, you can say, well, that's just your limited human understanding, Frank, but it certainly gives, it, it, pay, it does God no image, no favors to his image, if you ask me. You know, I believe that the wheels are set in motion. The wheels have been set in motion by that creator. And there are causes and effects. I mean, the drugs we take, the food we eat, the air we breathe, the media we consume, how we treat our minds, our bodies. I mean, the, the power lines that we lived under since we were kids, the lead-based paint we have on the walls, the asbestos that was once on our pipes. I don't know. The illegal immigrant who murders a young jogger on a boardwalk somewhere for no reason because the borders were open. I mean, I, mean, I don't think that God had planned out every alcoholic's case of cirrhosis from the time that they were children. I just think that we were given a liver and we have all the choices as to how to moderate how much we drink over the course of a lifetime. And again, um, I, I do believe that we will be judged based on how we handle these things that happen to us, the good and the bad. Because let's be honest, success can change a person for the worst just like failure can. And how humble do we remain? How, unwaver how unwavering is our faith? our sense of duty. So I don't control euthanasia or suicide or anything like that, but I can't, I have such hard time accepting that God took the time to plan out every grisly detail of everyone's death. When there's so much cause and effect and free will along the way that brought us there. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's just it, it it's it does not take away any any of the other aspects of my faith. That's just one thing. One thing. You say, "Oh, well that that means like every every tulip or every daffodil in in a forest that 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 comes up and is a little bit deformed has deformed petals or something like that that it was it was God at his at his workbench that that found some kind of way to to implant it, the misfire between germination and full bloom of the, of the daffodil. He's got bigger fish to fry. Bigger fish to fry. And I think that the wheels were set in motion, the rules, the revelations, they were set in motion. And there's got to be somewhere where we are just, we have to own ourselves. And in the chaos of existence, there's just going to be tragedy. 
and how do people around you know how do how do those left behind um, accept the tragedy and how do, how do we work through it and what lessons do we do we take from it? But too grisly, too grisly for me. Okay, nine o'clock. I want to thank everybody. There is a massive uh, foxhole gold pill fight on quite frankly TV right now. I got to thank you all. I, I don't even know how to thank you. Amethyst Cat, Doctor Hoffman. So put in hollow. There's so many people. Tom Ford. There's so many people. I uh, Texas for Trump. B Tech Vendetta. Everybody really got into a fight with each other in supporting me tonight. I thank you so incredibly. I mean, we might have set a record. We're close to 20,000 gold pills over there. That doesn't mean $20,000, ladies and gentlemen. But it's uh, it's such an amazing help to the show. Thank you, guys. I'm releasing the scratch in right now. Going over to Rumble. Everybody's having a good time there. Rockfin, thank you guys for hanging out with me all night. And the Tippet Stream. Let's see if I've gotten everything, anything... Uh, coming in on that end and then we will end this in the only way that we know how yes redheads rule say hello frank i'm new to watching your channel and i'm really enjoying it thank you for the laughs and the great topics thank you redhead i i I hope that you were not watching the other night when we were talking about traditions and folklore well not not traditions and superstitions and all that stuff and we were talking about new year's eve in ireland because redheads are not wanted on New Year's Eve to be anywhere near the front door around midnight. <laughs> Go back and listen to that one. But it's great to have you out there. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys and gals. That's it. That's all I have for you. And uh, and with that, I wish you all a very good night. Tomorrow is Friday. We're ending the show a little bit early, maybe around 8.30 we end the show tomorrow. Because then session three of the book club. On QuiteFrankly.tv and DLive, we'll go live. Uh, Windswept House, go ahead and jump into that Reddit, and I'll see you tomorrow. Nighty-night. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite Frankly is filmed before a live studio audience, and now our super chatters, starting with... And ending with Redhead's Rule. Look at that. First first time around, a new viewer, and she is getting the full-on treatment here. Thank you to everybody else. We will be back tomorrow. And uh, be well, be well, be well. a psychiatrist all morning. I took like a million tests. A psychiatrist? Yeah, you know, because I got suspended and everything. They sent you to a psychiatrist? Yeah. But that's crazy. That's all nonsense. That's nothing but a, a racket for the Jews.